before we begin, a quick reminder that if you like this podcast, if you enjoy listening to The Moon Pool, even when I'm not consistent in uploading, which happens more than I would hope, <laughs> um, make sure to follow this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. I really appreciate all of my listeners, and it honestly still amazes me to know that there are actual people out there who listen to this podcast. I get notifications whenever you send me voice messages or favorite this podcast on Anchor, so if you like The Moon Pool, please let me know. I really love hearing from you all. And if you have any new ideas for episodes, you can tell me about those too. Also, I wanted to remind you, or inform you, if you didn't already know, that I am hosting a Q&A on this podcast for my anniversary, which is in like eight months, but I'm still super excited. You can ask me anything you like, as long as it's not too personal. You can ask me questions on warrior cats, how I was introduced to the series, where I am now, my favorite or least favorite cats, etc. Or you can ask me general questions, my favorite color, song, food, etc. You have until August 27th, which is the anniversary of this podcast, so there is plenty of time. Send your questions via voice message, via voice message link in description, or put yours in an Apple podcast review. Also, go check out the podcast Inspired at anchor.fm inspired-101. That link will also be in the description. The host of Inspired is my friend Willow Flame, or Grace. You may remember her from episode 22. And now on with the show. Welcome to episode 24 of The Moon Pool, where cats of all clans come together as one. I'm your host, Maple Dusk, or Maple, and before I begin, I just wanted to announce that episodes are now being released every Sunday instead of just the 7th, 14th, 21st, and 28th. It just makes it a little easier and less complicated to remember the exact dates. Alright, now let's get going. Today, if you don't know, it's Valentine's Day. Whether you celebrate it or not, and whether you're listening to this on February 14th or not, I highly doubt you're listening to this on Valentine's Day because there's a 1 in 365 chance of that being true, but I am very excited to share this episode with you all. At the time that I'm writing this intro, I haven't scripted all the full episode, but I definitely have some exciting stuff planned. Let's get started. Okay, so a little while back, I made an episode called Analyzing Romantic Relationships, and in that episode, I well, analyzed romantic relationships in Warriors. I'm going to take all the romantic relationships from that, from that episode and add as many more as I can think of, and then I'm going to rate them. The only rule that I'm setting for myself is that I can only do cats that are mates, were mates at some point, had a very obvious crush on each other, or considered becoming mates. So, no squirrel flight and storm fur, which is going to be hard for me, but I'll cover them in a future episode anyway. I'll get through it. <sighs> I'm okay. I'm okay. Anyway, the relationships I will be rating are Blue Fur and Oakheart. You know, Blue Star and Oakheart, but they were um, in a relationship when they were Blue Fur and Oakheart. Bramblestar and Squirrelflight, Crowfeather and Leafpool, Firestar and Sandstorm, Breezepelt and Heathertail, Crowfeather and Nightcloud, Lion Blaze and Cinderheart, and Hawkwing and Pebbleshine. I could do more, and I originally had like 20, but I'm trying to only do the relationships I had strong opinions about and consider myself qualified to talk about, and the entire script is like 17 pages long for this episode. Um, so I decided to just do this. It's probably going to be like a half hour. I don't know. Maybe more. <laughs> Okay, now that we've got all those set out for us, I'm going to rate each ship from 1 to 10. I'm going to try to keep this as far 
apart, like, in similarity-wise, um, from my Anne Wednesday Romantic Relationships episode as possible, as I don't want to do any, any, like, duplicate episodes, so I've added some things here to mix it up. The first ship I am rating is Blue Fur and Oak Heart. I'm going to give it three points for its sad ending, take two points away for its rushed development, take one more point for the fact that Blue Fur literally had his kids after, like, one night, um... Add three points, one for each of the kits, because I like the kits. There's nothing wrong with that. And give one point for the handsomeness of Oakheart. And one point for the gracefulness and beauty of Blue Star. I know it's a pretty strange thing to give a point for, but in some relationships, not this one, but still, it's pretty much necessary because I literally cannot find any other reasons that they would like each other for some of them. So if we're starting from zero and we add three points to get to three and we take two points away from get to one, take another point to get to zero, add three points to get to three again, um, add two points for both of them, uh, both of their attractiveness levels, to get our final total of five. Some of these are strange things to judge a relationship on, but they do come into account with the whole ordeal. The reason I add points for kits is that they don't—they they have to love each other enough to have kits in the first place. I mean, it's not like the, any cats become mates and don't have kits or anything, although they could. And if the kits grow up to be not be horrible and be successful and respected, it probably is a result of their good parenting. Looper and Okar are a 5 out of 10, and personally, I find that's pretty fitting for them. They're not the best, the development was rushed, and it seemed to come out of nowhere, but they're not the worst either. Their kids are nice, and they seem to find solace in each other for the short period of time that their relationship was a thing. Okay, the next relationship I will be writing is Bramble Star and Squirrel Flight. I'm going to give it 5 points for actually being an interesting and complicated relationship, give 2 points for its good development, take away 3 points for the fact that Bramble Star can be a darker squirrel flight and neglect her, Add one point for each of the kits. Add a half point each for um, Jayfeather, Lionblaze, and Hollyleaf, which are not the kits because they're not the biological kits. Take away one point for Squirrel Flight, Lying to Ramble Star, and, about, and, and, and the kits, about the kits. <laughs> Give three points for Squirrel Flight's personality and general likability. And take away a point for Bramble Star's less likable personality. I only give it one point, <laughs> sorry, I only give it two points for the development because some of those points were part of the original five points, and because one book, they were at each other's throats constantly, and the next they got along just fine, so that development was kind of rushed, unless something happened between books that I didn't know about, and I only give a half point for each of the three because some of them made some questionable choices because, because Scorplight and Leafwell lied to them, I mean, indirectly, but still, um, which is tied in with the one point about Squirrel Flight lying to Bramble Star and their adopted kits. I only take one point away because that was Leaf Fool's fault too, and Squirrel Flight had her reasons. So let's add up those points. Five points were added, which gets it to five points. Two points were added, which got it to seven points. Three points were taken away, which reduced it to four points. Two points were added, um, one for Alderheart and one for Sparkpelt, which got it to six points. Three half points were added, one for Lion Blaze, one for Holly Leaf, and one for Jayfeather, which got it to seven and a half. One point was taken away, which got it to six and a half. Three points were added, which got it to nine and a half. And one point was taken away, which got it to eight and a half, which is its final total. Again, I think this is fitting. They're pretty close to perfect, about as close as warriors are going to get. But they're not all great. They have some quick, weak development in some places. They haven't always had the greatest relationship. But that's what makes them so interesting to read about, so that's not a takeaway factor. It's not like a minus factor. I do think their interestingness level sort of petered out after their kits took the stage in Series 6, as the relationships of so many cats in this series sadly do. Um, but it's just kind of nature because they're not the main characters anymore, so I guess that's fair. It's only fair. <laughs> the next relationship I will be rating is Crowfeather and Leafpool. I'm going to give it three points for its ending, plus three points for how much they love each other, plus one point for Leafpool's attractiveness, and one point for her personality, plus a half point for each of their kits. 
I'm going to take away three points for stress development, and it's seemingly coming out of nowhere again. And I will take away two points for their own kits hitting them for a considerable amount of time. Except Live Blaze, I don't know. <laughs> Slash don't remember how he feels, which is a strange factor in parents. Not, okay, yeah. <laughs> The reason I gave three points for their love for each other is because it mentions multiple times that they love each other a lot, and that just makes them breaking up even sadder. I only give a half point for each of their kits because, like I said before, their kits kind of hated them for a while, and like I said with the Squirrel Flight and Bramble Star thing, they did lie to their kits, and their kits made some questionable decisions because they lied to them, and, you know, they had their reasons for lying to them, so I can't really judge them that much for that. Um, they were scared. Uh, yeah. Now let's tally up those points. I added three points, which got it to three. I added another three points, which got it to six. I added two points for Leaf Pool's attractiveness and personality, which got it to eight. I added a half point for each of their kits, which got it to nine and a half. Then I took away three points, which got it to six and a half. And finally, I took two points away, which got it to four and a half. Compared to Blue, Blue Star and Oak Heart, that's a half point down. I guess I'd agree with that. Leaf Pool and Crowfeather came out of nowhere even more than Blue Star and Oak Heart did. Like, it was like crazy come out of nowhere. Like, all we had, all anyone would have to, like, like, um, stabilize that, like, you know, like, support that belief before, um, th that was found out, was that Cinderheart su suggested it, but, like, like, it was, like, totally random. I, yeah, I don't know what they were looking at. <laughs> um, and, like, it's, that's, like, the main reason it's not my favorite ship, and it wasn't the best, development-wise, but they're still kind of sweet together. They weren't meant to be mates, which was sad to read about. Leaf Bull's destiny is to guide her clan, she's natural at it. And I'm glad they broke up because Leafpool and Crowfeather is easily the most random relationship in Warriors. Cinderpelt's suspicions aside, I did not see this coming. Okay, the next relationship I will be rating is Firestar and Sandstorm. Alright, I give it four points for good development, add two points each for Leafpool and Squirrel Flight, add a half point for Firestar treating Sandstorm well, add one point for Sandstorm treating Firestar well, take away three points for Firestar even having to assure Sandstorm that she would never be second best to Spotted Leaf, take away two points for the fact that they became sort of boring, add three points for Sandstorm staying loyal to and loving Firestar until the end, and add two points for Sandstorm having her own spunk and knowing she doesn't belong to Firestar. I honestly really love the ship. I don't know why, but <laughs> I mean, I don't like, I, I do know why, but like, I don't know. I don't know why I just have like a natural like to for it. For it. Um, I didn't go over it in my analyzing romantic relationships episode, and I kind of wish I did now, but I think it's really sweet. Some people think it's boring, but I think they're a happy couple who always love each other. Firestar needs Sandstorm to keep his ground can grounded, and Sandstorm needs Firestar because, well, she doesn't need him, and that's what I love about her. She, But she loved him until the day she died, and past that, they're reunited in StarClan now, and I think that's a sweet ending to a sweet relationship. Okay, now let's tally up those points. I added four points to get it to four. I added two points each for Leaf Pool and Squirrel Flit because they're just that great to get it to eight. I added a half point to get it to eight and a half. I added one point to get it to nine and a half. I took away three points to get it to six and a half. I took away two points to get it to four and a half. I added three points to get it to seven and a half. I added two points to get it to nine and a half. And that's the final rating. They definitely deserve it in my opinion. The next relationship I'll be reading is Breeze Pelt and Heathertail. Alright, I'm going to give it four points for how their very different personalities balance each other out. Heathertail helps to keep Breeze Pelt from getting out of control, which he does all too often. And Breeze Pelt help keeps Heathertail from being too nice. <laughs> I honestly don't know what Heathertail gets out of that relationship. I am adding three points for the support for each other. I'm adding two points for Heathertail's attractiveness and sweet personality. Now I'm going to take away four points for its out-of-nowhere development and the fact that it went from nobody guessed this to super obvious love. I'm going to add three points for the fact that Heathertail can put up with Breeze Pelt at all, let alone be in love with him. That shows the sheer extent of her patience and ability to see good in people. The more I think about it, let me just like get sidetracked from the actual point system for 
like <laughs> a little while. The more I, the more I think about it, the more I admire Heather Tail. Like she saw something in Lion Blaze too, as a princess anyway. But you know, and he's basically like a hunk of toughness and strength with about five percent emotion and sensitivity and ninety percent ninety five percent total cluelessness when it comes to relationships of any kind. But Breezebelt, she must have really had to dig. I honestly like Breezebelt. I think he's edgy and emo and perfect, despite this is redemption arc. Um, being a tad bit rushed, but likable, not so much. I was about to say, but it's especially surprising that Heathertail likes him because she's so kind and sweet and obedient and all that, but that would just make her more willing and patient with Breezebelt. I honestly think we all need a Heathertail in our lives, someone who is truly good and obedient but knows how to have fun, or at least she does as an apprentice. Maybe she saw a speck of goodness in Breezebelt very deep, deep, deep down in the dark depths of his soul. Okay, he's not that evil, but you get what I'm saying. Heathertail is good for Breezebelt. She brings out the best in him. Alright, now let's add out the points. I added four points to get it to four. I added three points to get it to seven. I added two points to get it to nine. I took away four points to get it to five. I added three points to get it to eight. I added two points to get it to ten. I took away four points to get it to six, again. <laughs> and I added three points to get it to nine. And I think that's the final store. I think that is a somewhat fair judgment. They're a really great couple, but it came out of nowhere. Sort of like it was destiny and they're perfect for each other, but it was brought about in not the best way. I might actually take away two points to get it to seven, just because there was so much more potential for this, and it was kind of just thrown away. I'm really sorry to say that, because I do like this relationship as a whole, and I think it's really sweet. It's just the development I'm not as much of a fan of. Okay, moving on to Crowfeather and Nightcloud. Another Crowfeather relationship. He has been in a romantic relationship with three cats, which is a lot of cats for warriors. Um, else, and that's kind of ironic, because when we were first introduced to him, he is seen as this cold, crappy, snarky cat, but it's like the Jayfeather of the early generations of warriors. And you don't really see him open up to many cats, which is why I think Feathertail must have really been something special. Reminds me of Heathertail with Breezepelt, and Heathertail and Feathertail are just one letter apart, so it's perfect. Crowfeather is one of my favorite characters, which I'll talk about in a future episode. Anyway, here are the points I would give. I give it four points for the fact that they were friends in a totally not awkward way after they broke up, as far as I know. And that's saying something, especially for warriors. I give it two points that they stayed together long enough to have Breeze Pelt, which means there's like, there might have been like a tiny like 1% bit of chemistry somewhere. I give four points for their respect for each other. Crowfeather respects Nightcloud's independent, fierce spirit, and Nightcloud respects the fact that Crowfeather isn't always so easy to talk to, and that he still has trouble opening his heart to the right cat, and that he really hasn't figured out love yet, even after all those years and three relationships. I think it takes a special kind of relationship, romantic or otherwise, to understand that some parts of people are just hard to understand. If that makes sense? Even though, in some ways, Crowfeather and Nightcloud couldn't really, un couldn't really understand each other less, especially in early to mid-Crowfeather's trial, and probably some behind-the-scenes stuff, too. They understand that they might never understand each other, and they know how to work through each other's difficulties, which is a really valuable thing in a relationship, in my opinion. Anyway, more points to add and take away. I'm going to take two points off for Breeze Pelt because, well, Breeze Pelt. I'm also going to take away four points for the fact that Crowfeather basically just used Nightcloud to have a normal life in WindClan that isn't an unreasonable thing to want if you, if you just had true cross-clan romantic relationships and you've just been reaccepted. But using someone else who you don't love romantically and pretending you love them just for the sake of saying, look, I'm normal and having an in-clan relationship like the rest of the world is not okay in any way. And finally, I'm going to add two points for the fact that both cats ended up with a close friend at the end of the relationship, each other, and that sort of ties in the first four points I gave. At least they came out of the relationship having lost a lot, yes, but also having gained a friend who understands, to some extent, what you've gone through, at least in terms of their experiences together. Now let's add up the points. I added four points to get it to four, I added two points to get it to six, I added four points to get it to ten, 
I took off two points to get it to eight, I took off four points to get it to four, and finally added two points to get it to six. This leads the relationship as a six out of ten. That suits it. There was not much chemistry at all with this relationship, but it ended up alright. And even though Crowfeather neglected Breezepelt, and that almost certainly contributed to Breezepelt's hatefulness and spite later on, as well as Crowfeather's, for lack of a better word, affair with Leafpool, he at least got to make um, some of that lost time up in Crowfeather's trial, which you should, by the way, you should probably read if you haven't already. But this episode has already spoiled a lot of it, so, <laughs> sorry. The next and second to last relationship that I will be rating is Lionblaze and Cinderheart. Like most of these relationships, I went over this one in my past episode, so you can go check that out. But now I'm going to be giving um, some points and taking away some points for Lionblaze and Cinderheart. I'm going to give two points for the fact that they truly love each other, they care for each other, and no doubt would do anything for each other, which Cinderheart did, and I'm going to talk about right now. I'm giving five points, yes, five points, for the fact that, three, two, one, Cinderheart makes a huge sacrifice of giving Lionblaze up, or rather being willing to give him up, for the sake of his own destiny, loving someone enough to give them up if you, if, if you think they need it. That is a truly rare, rare quality, and the quality of someone who is very strong and can get through a lot. Cinderheart did get through a lot, way more than any living being should have to endure. She loved Lionblaze, and she gave him up on her own accord. And that in itself probably caused her to be doubtful of herself and regretful of that decision. She knew she was part, he, he was part of a big, important prophecy, and even though she hardly knew anything about that prophecy, she loved him and trusted him, so she let him go. Of course, he didn't want that. He didn't understand why she thought their love for each other was diminished or altered, or whatever he was thinking, by the prophecy of three. And he neither, neither did she, honestly, but she was just doing what she believed was the right thing. And oh my goodness, Cinderheart is so brave and so strong because she had to deal with all that. In addition to the fact that around the same time, all this drama with Lion Blaze was going down, she found out that the reincarnated spirit of Cinderpelt, a past medicine cat, lived inside her. And it was just this big, just existential crisis. I had to look up that word to make sure if I was using that term correctly. That was going on for her, um, but she somehow managed to endure and while she did endure it, she made completely the right choice. She was able to realize that even though Cinderpelt lived inside her, she was her own person, and at some point the spirit of Cinderpelt was set free from Cinderheart's body. Cinderheart is a truly amazing cat, and I can't blame the 5% of Lion Blaze that's made of sensitivity and emotion for falling in love with her. And I would like to say that anyone who's struggling with their identity, or knows something is the right thing to do but can't quite bring themselves to do it, or they've already done it and are having regrets, hang in there. You are amazing, you are strong, and you are capable of moving forward. I know that for a fact, even though I don't know you, because I know that the human, in general, human, like, the human soul is capable of doing that. The human essence is capable of doing that. Um, anyway, more points. Where was I? Oh, I'd added two points for their love for each other and five points for Cinderheart's sacrifice and her endurance of all that she's been through. I'm going to add three points for their kits, because I don't know, I don't remember how many kits they had or the names of them, but I do know they had a number of kits that I'm sure Burden Cloud and Dustpelt would be proud of with their seven kits. And I'm only going to take away two points for the fact that Lion Blaze wasn't all that considerate of Cinderheart's emotions when all that was happening for her, because there wasn't really a way that he could understand that, because she was going through so much that he couldn't possibly fathom, and so was he in some ways, but def definitely not as much as she was. And I only give two points for the fact that they love each other so much, because this is the case in most of the long-term mates and warriors, so I guess it's not exactly unusual, but just like Crowfeather and Leafpool, it mentions multiple times just how much they love each other, and I just thought that definitely counted for something. Also, I didn't take away any points for rush development, because I love this relationship, now that I've analyzed it a little bit, and I didn't want to have that much of a low score. And also, thanks to Liz, Tinderheart is now one of my all-time favorite characters. Thank you, Brain, for making me realize that. 
I added two points to get it to two. I added five points to get it to seven. I added three points to get it to ten. I took away two points to get it to eight. And that is the final score. It is deserving of this, in my opinion, or at least Cinderheart is. And Cinderheart deserved an 11 out of 10 on her own, for sure, because of all she's been through and how she handled it, and she's just so strong. Okay, I'll stop gushing about Cinderheart now, because I'm sure you're tired of it. The very last Warriors relationship I will be analyzing is... dun 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 Popwing and Pebbleshine. Alright, let's start giving points to these two lovely kitties. I give it five points for the fact that the development is actually interesting. Like, I would say the development of this relationship is at least Firestar Sandstorm level good, probably more, and it really just makes sense. Hawkwing and Pebbleshine as apprentices, and when Hawkpaw gets his warrior name, they can also be compared to Firestar and Sandstorm, and Brambleclaw and Squirrelflight. They don't get along, to say the least, but what seems to start as just a minor, ri minor rivalry is intensified into a pretty strong hatred of each other. After Hawkpaw's brother, Duskpaw, and Pebblepaw are caught in a fire... Hawkpaw hears Duskpaw yelling at him, yelling to him, and can't hear it. Can't hear what he's saying. He thinks his brother is telling him to save Pebblepaw instead of him for some reason, so he, for whatever reason, saves her. And I should probably say this for another episode, but this is a really stupid idea. The book says he can clearly see that Duskpaw is in more urgent need of help than Pebblepaw is. He doesn't even know if Duskpaw is telling me to help Pebblepaw. Spoiler alert, he isn't. And Duskpaw is his brother. I understand that Pebblepaw is also really important, but Hawkpaw wasn't alone. I'm fairly certain he was with, Ebe with Ebonyclaw and maybe one other cat. Why couldn't they have saved Pebblepaw? From this, and what, what is a repeating theme throughout the Superdition Hawkwing's journey, we gather that Hawkpaw slash Wing doesn't do very well under pressure, and that he often weeps before he looks. We see this with Darktail, and when he's speaking to the cats of his clan, including his leader, Leafstar, and when Pebblepaw comes up to him to thank him for saving her, he lashes out after his brother's death and just yells at poor Pebblepaw. It's all her fault, and I never wanted to save you, and if it wasn't for you, Duskpaw would still be alive, which I can understand why there would be some bitter feelings for Hawkwing, but you don't have to take it out on poor Pebblepaw. And with this exchange, you can at least see why Hawkwing is angry, and you can understand some of his reasoning. But with some of the future scenes, he's just being unreasonably brash, outspoken, and hot-headed in the signature Hawk Hawkwing way that we know and hate. Anyway, back to, back to Hawkwing and Pebbleshine. Whew, I got off topic there. Anyway, Hawkwing and Pebbleshine have a complicated relationship. They were all mad at each other. <clears throat> but then with, when Billy Storm, Pebbleshine's mentor, dies, Hawkwing is suddenly all like, Oh, she understands me now. And he goes up to her, and they basically have a reverse version of the conversation they had before. Hawkwing goes up to Pebblepaw and says, I understand you and I'm sorry, and now Pebblepaw lashes out at him. I forget what she actually says, but I think it goes something like, go away, I don't like you, we're still giving each other silent treatment, remember? And he doesn't even care, which is so unlike what we've seen of him so far. He's just like, I don't care, this happened to me too, she's fine, I like her now. And eventually they get closer and they become mates. Anyway, I added five points for good development, I'm going to add... Three points for Pebbleshine's overall sweetness, and one point each for Violetpaw and Twigpaw. I don't know their warrior names yet, and I won't take away any points for Hawkwing's sensitivity, insensitivity, around the beginning of the relationship. I mean, sensitivity, too, because he's very sensitive. Um, and I do, um, and I do think that, um, that, and I do that because he grows out of it eventually, as does Pebbleshine. He grows wiser as he grows over, but, oh, <laughs> as he grows older, but one would hope he still has a dash of his old hot-headed charm. And I think that's all for points. Now let's add them up. I added five points to get it to five. I added three points to get it to eight. I added two points, one for Violet Paw and one for Twig Paw, to get it to ten. <coughs> um, then I took away one point to get it to nine. 
I think that's pseudo-possession, and I literally cannot find anything wrong with this, but let me know what you think. Um, send me a voice message, and while you're at it, uh, send it a question for the Q&A. Deadline, August 27th. It means a lot to me, anything you send to me. I hope you liked this episode of The Moon Pool. I tried to steer clear of ships I don't know much about, like Yellow Fang and Ragged Star, or Tawny Pelt and Rowan Star, but I hope I did a pretty thorough job with the relationships I did rate. Thank you so much for listening, and even if it's not Valentine's Day where you are, or if you don't celebrate Valentine's Day, I hope your day is full of love and happiness anyway. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to listen to this, it means a lot to me, and I'll see you next Sunday.